Hello and welcome to Living the Wit Life with Wit Ministries. The ministry's leaders on this podcast are, with more than 20 years of experience in ministry and also as a public speaker, Jared Wackenfuss. Also with 20 plus years as an entrepreneur and a leader in the marketing industry, Troy Foster. And I'm Matt Russell and I'm the director of Walking in Truth Ministries or WIT Ministries. We're so excited that you're joining us here today. And as we discuss today's topic and how that can help you in living the WIT life. and welcome to another exciting episode of Living the Wit Life. Um, Of course, I'm Matt Russell, the uh, ministry director with Walking in Truth Ministries, and I have a special guest host with us here today. Actually, I have a good friend, Jemiah Barnett. He um, he has actually been a participant with our men's ministry, uh, but he is a phenomenal man of God. He, um, we've actually, I guess we can just call him, we nickname him the pastor. Uh, he might not know that yet, but um, uh, he's got an amazing calling on his life that God is just preparing him for that. Um, and in that time of preparation, uh, we've been bouncing a lot of things off of each other. And um, so I'm excited to have Jemiah here today. Now, Jemiah is actually up in Oklahoma. So Oklahoma City, right in that area. So how's the weather up there in Oklahoma today, Jemiah? Well, I, we moved to Oklahoma to get away from the wind, but it's caught up with us, so... <laughs> hey, hey, I he's actually Jemiah is from the panhandle and where I am from the Dallas Fort Worth area of uh Texas. I moved up to the panhandle of Texas and Jemiah has moved into Oklahoma City. So I think he's getting away from the wind, but he might have just heard that I was coming and he got out of the way. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but um that's pretty shocking if you moved Amarillo. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Today, we're actually going to talk about something that's it's pretty important topic. It's uh, something that we should all be a little bit more aware of because it's something that's it's mentioned throughout the Bible. But that topic is about us as Christians, as followers of Christ, being a vessel. But even bigger than that, just even if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, there's still a lot of validity to you being a vessel. And so we want to talk about that and just start off with, I mean, Jemiah, for you, how would you really describe a vessel? I mean, what's a vessel? Whenever we say that, what does it bring to mind for you? Well, vessel obviously is something that holds something. So, I mean, we're going to, we're going to twist this a little bit um, where it's a little more relatable, but a cup would be a vessel for water. It's something yeah. that holds something. So, yeah. um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll dive a little more deeper into that. But a vessel is, is, is really, as a, as a, in the church world, as a Christian, would be being able to be used by God, be able to hold, hold that, hold that allow, allowing him to come into your life to feel you, to be able to use you. And I, I think that um, one of the things I, early on this podcast, that I want people to talk about is, and we've already kind of, we kind of went over things a little bit beforehand. It's just because you're not active ministry 
here's the thing. It really doesn't matter if you've been saved two days or 20 years. We all have an opportunity to be used by God and to be a vessel. And we're going to talk about a lot of those areas that we can um, just be more aware of. I think a lot of it's just being aware that that's a possibility for us. Um, and even talk about how some things that have happened in the last, you know, couple of months have really w opened my eyes. So. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much to every bit of what you just said with the vessel being that, you know, thing that delivers and carries something, something that holds something in it. Then also how God could use us as a vessel and, and I can't wait to dive into that and to hear more of the insight and what God's been showing you there. You know, um, for me, whenever I really think about a vessel, I know that as an example, you mentioned water can go into a glass. Well, I need, we all need water. We need it. And I don't need to hold it in my hand. I need it to be in my body. Our body's made up, they say about 70% of water. And so we need to have water. Um, in fact, that's one of those, those things that like food and air, you have to have water in order to survive. So I need to get water into my system. Well, I could easily go and stick my head underneath a water faucet, but still that water is being sent to me somehow. I could go out to a pond and go stick my head in the pond and drink. But it's easier if you have, it, it becomes uh, easier for me to get the water if I put it in a vessel. Whether that vessel be a conduit that comes to me through the water system, whether it be uh, something that they use to contain the water as they're filtering it and cleaning it and through that process, and then they send it on. There's so many different types of vessels along the way, but we need to have something in order to get something we need delivered to the one who needs it. And uh, so for me, I mean, there's so much to that, but that's what I think of when I hear about a vessel. It's, I mean, there's, yeah, like you, could get a, you could get a 500 gallon tank, but it's not nearly going to be as much as mobile as a 20 ounce glass of water, a, a 20 ounce glass. You can take that exactly. glass anywhere you want to go. It's a lot, it's a lot harder to haul around 500 gallons. Well, for some, I'm sure you could probably just throw it on your back and just walk around. <laughs> but no, it and, and not even if you could, why would you want to? Yeah. <laughs> why would you want to carry 100 gallons of water on your back to go anywhere when you could do it much more easily with different types of vessels? And then there's also, I mean, we know there's, there's more efficient vessels in helping us to do something more efficiently. But there's also good vessels and bad vessels. I could easily get a rusted can and bring that same glass of water that's not going to do the same for me the water itself is what i need but if i bring it in a some kind of a toxic environment of a vessel it's not going to do me any good it taints the actual thing that's coming to me so i mean that's a, another thought with vessels you can have that's a bad vessel you can yep absolutely yep so with being a vessel, um, I mean, really, we know we could talk about it with all the different types of Christianese and a bunch of different uh, church words and stuff. But 
really just boiling it down what does the bible say about vessels i mean we again we've kind of touched on it this seems like it's something that i would assume more people would know about this whole topic of just being a vessel but surprisingly it's not something that's brought up that much and there's a lot of people who they don't understand the concept they hear the word they hear the scripture or they read it but they don't they don't understand the concept of vessel so what does the bible really say about being a vessel i mean can you think of any examples well before we kind of get into the verse here's what i want to think i want to i want to encourage people um you got all these tools in your garage some of them you may only use on in a season but it doesn't do any good to have every socket known demand for every screw if you don't ever go and you use it so mm -hmm. as we talk about this the subject about being a vessel um i think that we need to realize that we do have an opportunity to make a huge difference with very with very very small action required mm -hmm. yeah that'd be big so i was pulling up a scripture here <clears throat> um just in thinking through again and we'll say the word over and over again just vessel just thinking of that um the bible i just looked up uh and i've got actually let's see if here's my nerd meter for you i've got a, a strong concordance right here okay. which i don't usually uh, but hey, having a bookshelf back there makes it handy because then I can go and grab these things. I've got a Strong's Concordance right here, and it has um, Old Testament and New Testament. It doesn't matter. The word vessel or vessels is used so many times, so many times in the Bible. I just looked up on an app. The word vessels, or I'm sorry, vessel singular is is used 41 times in the King James Version. 41 times throughout. And then vessels is probably twice that. So that could be somewhere around 120 times that the Bible mentions the word vessel. So that means that being such a specific word, it should be something you pay attention to. Or, or maybe not that. Maybe we need to know more about it. We need to understand because there's scriptures where the, the Bible says for us to be a vessel. There's scriptures where it says that we are broken vessels. There's scriptures where it says that uh, we would take a, a vessel and break a vessel. I mean, there's so many different places where it's mentioned. But it's still about the same object, the vessel. So it's not something that's absent in the Bible at all. Um, there's... Yeah, well, I know this, and I, um, as far as different types of vessels, there's many different types of vessels, and I know, uh, again, on that app, I was using the Blue Letter Bible app, and it's kind of a handy little tool, but it pointed out to me that there's so many different types of vessels that are mentioned. In fact, it talks about vessels being made of wood or clay or gold, silver, brass, stone, iron, copper, ivory, marble and even animal skin so that's a lot of different types of vessels each one having a different purpose and that should bring a lot into our conversation i think you will absolutely so 
Jemiah, have you ever had a just wild question? Have you ever had a time in your life that you feel like God used you as a vessel? Yeah, let me tell you, I'll tell you one. <laughs> go for it. And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go into why I wanted to talk about this. Um, so those of you that have been a part of this ministry, uh, you know, you will know who Troy Foster is. But Troy has been, I would say, my probably my lifelong best friend. And uh, Troy is also founder of this ministry that you're partnering crime with this ministry. <laughs> and and uh, anyways, he has been bugging me to go really before the first pursuit, telling me, hey, this is something I'd, I really want you to go and it kind of explaining what it is. And I, uh, short background from being a part of the church for such a long time and my dad being a pastor and the things that I've seen and not being a real conventional guy out of no disrespect to Troy just wasn't something that I felt like I wanted to do. Um, that actually even led, I think around the, between the first and second pursuit or the second or third pursuit, I don't know which one it was, you even giving me a call to try to tell me that, Hey, this is something you need to do. And so finally it kind of came where I did go on the, on a pursuit with the, with ministries. And it's just crazy. This is a really funny story. Um, how God has a sense of humor. And so <laughs> I really didn't want to go. And <clears throat> when I told Troy, I wanted to, I would go, I told them I would pray about it. And when I prayed about it, honestly, I, didn't hear anything. I wasn't like, it was yes, it wasn't yes or no. And it was a very, there was a, dude, I mean, there were so many convenient things. There was my daughter's last, my daughter's last uh, uh, daddy daughter dance. Uh, there was financial things at work that I was going to be missing out on. There was all, all these things that were, there never was going to be a good time. But um, if you could have picked a bad time, he picked a good one. And so I was pretty pissed off about having to go in the first place. And just really just angry and aggravated about the whole process. And so one day, uh, a few days before, well, a couple of weeks probably before the, the event, a, a vendor, and I work in the car business and one of our vendors I'm friends with reached out to me and he is in a time in his life where he is just whatever is anything he can get something out of. He's all, he's all about it. He's in that stage. He's a sponge right now. And uh, he, I told him just like really and just hindsight, just talking about, yeah, I'm going to be going this thing. And he like started interviewing me about the process. I'm like, well, yeah, I know Troy and I know Matt and, you know, I know a lot of the guys there. And next thing I know, he signed up and he's bringing a guy with him. So obviously if you will talk to Scott, that was a really great thing in his life. And then we just did our first women's pursuit or y'all did and his wife and his sister-in-law are there. So four people have gone through this ministry and had some really great things over me being grumpy. And, and one more, there's actually five. My wife. Well, then there's six because even his friend's wife was on the last one. Yeah. That's six people. When I got home, Financially, I hadn't taken any had taken any hit for not being there, and they had while I was gone, they had bad weather, and they rescheduled the daddy daughter dance, and I got to go to it. 
So God worked everything out, um, you know, but it's just really crazy. Sometimes God uses us as a vessel. And I don't even know that we have to be willing. <laughs> because, yeah, you know, I agree completely. <laughs> I don't know that we have to be willing, uh, but he still uses the situation. And in hindsight, you know, I will tell you, like, even on the pursuit, when I got there, I got lost and I was punching the dash and, and screaming the F-bomb, trying to not, not to punch the windshield. I was so angry about not having to, having to go there. that I was so frustrated. It was so hard to find the place. And I mean, you guys saw me. I was mad when I got there. <laughs> and so the fact that it, uh, the, the fact that it worked out the way that it did, it was, it was pretty crazy to look back and I almost feel bad for having such a bad attitude about it, you know? So, well, it, I don't think that we should ever look back. I mean, there may be something that we said in the attitude and, and taking ownership of whatever you need to there, but I don't think there's a reason to feel bad for it because God used you, even though you were unwilling. I think that's an even bigger God story. The yeah. fact that you were not a willing vessel, you were very reluctant, but God still said, look, I've got this plan and it needs to be done. So I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And the, the obedience that you gave out of your reluctancy still produced a good outcome. God yeah. was in charge of it the whole time. So could you have been a better vessel? Maybe. But God still got the outcome that he desired, or at least, you know, he, he took over even where you weren't being the best of vessels. <coughs> so there's things that even, excuse me, even when we're not at our best, God can still use us whether we know it or not. I mean, in the Bible, can you think of someone who is a vessel similar to the way that you were just then? <clears throat> I mean, there's, there's a lot of people in the Bible that, uh, I mean, I think David would be a pretty good example. You know, mm -hmm. people, there's a lot of people that are chosen for something that they probably didn't really want. Right. I mean, Moses, he, he argued, <clears throat> he said, no, I'm not going to do it. And then God said, okay, yeah, you are. But um, there's many times. I think Joseph is another one. Another great example would be Joseph because he didn't deserve any of the things that he got. He didn't deserve. Now he was young. He was immature. He had this dream. God showed him a vision of something that was to come. He didn't pursue that thing. He just kind of said, Hey, guess what? Brothers, look, I had a dream about you. <laughs> and they're like, what? No. And it made them angry. He was the, immature. He was an immature vessel. But God still used him. But what did God use him for? He brought Israel, he brought an entire nation out of famine into plenty to be put into a place of, um, of prosperity during that time, all the way through to bondage, which he needed so that he could give an example of setting them free. I mean, there's so many things that just being a good vessel, what if David would have said no? What if God, as David's standing there, and there's this big, huge giant out there, 
who's saying all these mean things about the Israelites and about uh, God, what if David would have said no to God when he said, hey, you know, gave him a little nudging and said, get out there and face this giant. God would have found another David. But he, he decided to work with the one that he had. So I think that's big. There's so many things about being a vessel. And I'm so glad that you were. I'll tell you, knowing more and more and more of that story that you shared, it's not done. It's not finished. Because, yes, there were six people directly affected by you being a vessel. And then through the ministry, that's those six people. And now quite a few of them have uh, already shown a desire to come back and help serve on future events. So you being a vessel has brought some people who can come in and continue to be a vessel for others. Are you concerned about what the future holds? Are you confident that the retirement plans that you have today will still be secure tomorrow? Let us help you by clearing up the uncertainty. This is Matt Russell, the director of WIT Ministries. Many of us at Walking in Truth Ministries are bivocational, working in our ministry as well as in the financial services industry at Win Big Financial Group. We help people to build a tax-free and risk-free retirement. Give me a call at 817-903-2575 to support our ministry and to secure your family's financial future. Again, Call today at 817-903-2575. Thank you and God bless. So where this all started for me was uh, I came home on March the 25th and uh, we don't eat out a lot. And I, I don't know, can't remember what all that happened that day, but we decided to do something simple. And um, Edmund is real close to where we're at. There's a Chili's about five or six miles from our house. And so we went to Chili's to go eat. And um, I get a little more about me. I, I love rock and roll. Rock and roll is great. I love, I've always been a Foo Fighters fan and I love, I mean, there's, they're really just solid guys. They really are. Uh, you don't see a lot of, uh, what you, what you would expect with rock and roll. These are guys that are dads and fathers and, you know, they've made a pretty good career having pretty good music. And so one the drummer for that, his name is, his name is Taylor Hawkins. And I'm actually a crazy enough Foo Fighter fan that I pay a monthly fee to be part of like their fan club or whatever. So they get, you kind of get the alerts beforehand. And so um, we're just sitting there having some family meal and having a good time. And I get it come across my phone that uh, Taylor Hawkins was pa had passed away at 50 years old. And um, I immediately is like, what well, was from, it was from their official, you know, fan club thing. And I was like, what? So I said something to my wife and she kind of, kind of saw, saw my eye. I was really concerned. And we started trying to Google it and it was before it even like the media <laughs> even knew anything about it. And so we're like, is this really true? And within about 15 minutes, I mean, every media outlet obviously launched that story. And, um, and so that's kind of where it all started. And um, I was just like, he was in Colombia. Uh, they were supposed to be playing a show there. They were touring South America, the Foo Fighters were. And they were kind of, they were actually scheduled to appear that evening for a show. 
So he he was found he was found in Colombia in a hotel room dead, and I don't want to do stereotypical, but I was like I already kind of figured it had something to do with drug related. Well, looking more into it, they found ten substances in his body: um, antidepressants, bezos, opioids, all kinds of stuff. And um, he complained about some chest pains. They tried to call him, wasn't couldn't save him, and so. Anyways, I kind of, I got just got to thinking about, you know, as far as a, I don't want to really bring like any like glory to him as a person, but he was an extremely, extremely accomplished musician. Um, he's played, he's basically been mainstream since 97, been in a lot of different musical groups. Um, they, he was voted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was voted best rock drummer in 2005 by British Drumming Magazine. We can go all into all his accolades, but he was a really, and everybody talked about him, talked about how cool of a guy he was. He was a father. He had three children, a son named Oliver, I think is now 16. Annabelle, who's 13. Everly, his youngest daughter, I think she's around 12. His wife, um, her name was Allison. All his brothers in uh, Foo Fighters, those guys have been, they've been touring with for 20 years. And when he passed away, he left a void in a lot of hearts. And I just got to thinking, you know, I was just praying about it. Like, why? Why would somebody, obviously financially he was fine. He was being able to pursue a gift that God had given him. Um, why would somebody load up on all these drugs? And it kind of occurred to me, for whatever reason, he, he had a broken heart. Mm -hmm. and it's oftentimes it's very it's very typical and and um i'm i work in the music industry as well and it's very it's very common to find these people who have extraordinary gifts they're one they're very lonely um and it's hard to get to know them because most people that come to them want something from them besides just being a friend so that builds walls because of bad experiences. But then I don't know what was going on in his life, but he died with a broken heart. He was, I told my wife, I said, I really feel like the reason he was taking all those drugs, this cocktail of, of antidepressants and basos and opioids is to, for one second, and hit, just for one second, he wanted to feel not hurt his heart not hurt mm -hmm. he was wanting to have some form of relief now here's the thing it's not that christians don't ever have a broken heart there's times that i do but i know the cure for their broken heart and i told my wife i said i wished i just wish that somebody would have been able to talk to him mm -hmm. i hate that this guy is as accomplished as he is and he doesn't feel like he's got a, a guy like Dave Grawl, whose brothers got these people that are around him and whatever it is that was bothering him bad enough that he wanted to take the pain away. He didn't feel like he could pick up the phone and talk about it. Instead, he found 10 substances to put into his body. Mm -hmm. And so then just kind of looking at that situation, because it affected me. I, I cried. I really looked up to Dave Grawl as a, as a just got a beautiful family. You know what I mean? Now there's a 16 year old kid, a 13 year old kid and a 12 year old kid without a dad. Mm -hmm. There's a, a lady that he's been married to for, they've been married probably 20 years that doesn't have a husband. There's people now that don't have 
their bandmate, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it, it took so much from so many people because somebody wasn't ever able to be a vessel to him, to be used by God in a situation. And so it's got, it got, it's really got me thinking about just daily life. Like when we're in the grocery store and we're standing by somebody, they're going through something. Mm-hmm. When you're at the gas station filling up the person, the pump, they're going through something. The people at work, they have problems. It could be marriage related, finance related, family problems. Who knows? Who knows? And you know what? Some of them might even be a lot of these issues might be self-inflicted. And so it just got me thinking about how you don't have to be super weird about it. You don't have to be Christianese about it, but just by simply like doing, be just being kind to people by like saying, hi, how was your day? What's going on in your life? Or even I do this at work all the time. Like when I know that somebody's good at something, I see a gift in their life. I, I compliment that gift and I like, Hey man, you're really good at that. Keep it up. You know, it doesn't have to be this thing where you hold their hand and you have a come by y'all in the middle of aisle seven. It's Costco. (laughs) It's something as simple. He might've been one word of encouragement away from not having to do that. I don't know where he was at. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, it just kind of opened this thought. This thought for me is how can I do better in this area uh, around people that surround me in my daily life? And it, it might even be people that, you know, I, <laughs> so this all happened. And um, we, we go to a church in Piedmont. Um, and it's really crazy when we were, we were not churched for a long time. Um, I got real upset about the, a lot of things that happened with my childhood, my dad being a pastor, and we moved to Piedmont. God spoke to me really directly and said, this is where I want you to go to church. So we started going to church, the, this, this, this church, and the church is an assembly God church. Um, and so my pastor was preaching a few weeks ago about this and uh, about this gentleman that just passed away in our church. And he was uh, kind of like one of those pillar of the guys. He, he ran youth camps and all kinds of stuff with assembly of God. And now he's at this kind of this time in his rest in his life where he's in his seventies and this is the place he chose to go to church. And he just loved to go in the foyer and pat people in the back, encourage him. And his name was Jack. I think is what his name was. I've only met him a couple of times, but they were telling a story about how Jack went to, I guess he was pretty handy, like carpenter work and all that kind of stuff. I'm not that guy. And he went to Home Depot and some guy thought he actually worked there and was asking how to put, floors in his house or something like that. And Jack was telling him how to do everything. And um, next thing you know, Jack calls his wife and says, Hey, I'm over these people's house. And uh, he's helping these people put floors in their house. He's never met before and inviting them to come to church. Hmm. You know, I know that's probably more extreme for a lot of people, but you don't have to be, you don't have to go that far with it, but I just thought that was so cool that he was that willing to go that far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, you'll have people, whenever they, they get into this thought of being a vessel, unfortunately, there's many people who think, well, I haven't been to seminary. 
I'm not an ordained minister, or I don't have everything that it, it takes. And like you said, it, it's simple. Just being available and able to say something that's a kind word, a word of encouragement, a just, I hope that you have a great day. Um, I, I know it could be something very simple, but it could also go to a whole nother level. And again, it doesn't take a degree or anything like that. It's just making yourself available for those bigger situations where you could give some more time. I mean, there's there's stories across the board. I know it's, one thing that I, I had, uh, just real quick on this, um, I just thought about this. So when I, I used to work a long time ago for a law firm and I was a whatever, I was working for a law firm. So I got to go to all the different records departments and and I got to go in often to the county, to the district, and this is in a big city, Dallas. So I'm going into this place. Now, in these locations, just like at the DMV, most of these people deal with complaints and angry people all day long. So they typically do not like their jobs. They are doing it. They're working for the state, the county, the city, whatever it is. Uh, they get you know good enough benefits that they're staying there, but they have to deal with angry people. It's like answering the troubleshooting line on customer service, whatever. So I made it a point for me. I wanted to become the most positive thing that they met with in that day. And I'm just a weirdo. Everybody who knows me knows I'm, I'm a weirdo. So I tried to become a professional name tag reader from a distance. And I would find out, like, if I were approaching Jemiah's desk, I'm looking for either a name plate on the desk or I'm looking for a name tag. But as soon as I see it, I come up with a big smile and I just say, hey, Jemiah, man, how's your day going? Man, and I'm positive and I'm using their name and I'm happy. And it's totally different than everything else they've had. And my, my entire time, maybe five minutes, maybe, you know, 30 seconds that I'm there, but I'm speaking positively. I'm telling them, man, that's a great shirt you have on. That really looks really good on you. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying kind things. Well, after a while of doing this, of course, they get to know you. I mean, if you're going back to the same places and meeting those people, men or women, it doesn't matter. All of them across the board said, I literally became the brightest part of their day. And many of them started to enjoy their job again. I wasn't, I was one person out of all the people they saw all day long, but I gave them just enough to turn away from that moment of being angry and hating people and just enough to where it wasn't so negative. That little glimpse of positive overtook a lot of that negative. They got to know my name. And when I came around the corner, usually I would be whistling. And uh, one of the guys called me Songbird. He said, oh, here comes Songbird whistling down the hall. I turned the corner and he said, hey, Matt. But that's all it takes. Just make an intentional effort to do that. That's being a vessel. That's the simplest side of being a vessel. But what else were you going to say there, Jeremiah? Oh, I felt like you are about to say something. I cut you off. I was going to say something, but... To add what you said, if you don't think small, small things makes a difference, what is that quote about? If you don't think small things make a difference, try to go to sleep in a tent with a mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
there's practicality right there. So people, if you get one thing, <laughs> this, it doesn't take something major. It doesn't. So no, there's a lot of people that are, that are listening to the, this podcast. You're like, how can you get out of this? You know, this is kind of hard for me because I did professional radio for such a long time and we were kind of a comedy based thing. So, you know, always, I always, I like to laugh. This is kind of a serious subject because we're ta really talking the difference between life and death between people. You could be like, you could be the guy yet. You know what I mean? And there's so many things. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be seminary. You are completely usable right where you're at. And here's the thing. You don't have to know every Bible verse. It doesn't matter if you're addicted to, to uh, a, a drug or you want to get legalistic about uh, people getting legalistic about things that are going on in your life. You're not, you're still walking your journey. You're still things that you're working through. You're not where you want to be as a Christian. You can still be used by God. And it's, it's very simple things. A lot of it is just by being kind to people. By offering a word of encouragement, you know, uh, I do, I do a, a lot of things. Like I've taught my son anytime we're coming out of the, and I've never even thought about it as being a vessel. Uh, but, um, I have a really big heart for elderly women that are, that are widowed for some reason. I've always a sucker for them. And if we see them coming out of Walmart and they, their cart is full, we're unloading their cart for them, you know? Mm -hmm. It's more likely she's been married 35 years. She's, you know, or 40 years. She's by herself and she's having to do those. You know how big of an encouragement that, it, that my 12, 13-year-old son comes over as a gentleman and loads her car for her, you know, puts her car back up. Something as simple like that can really break brighten somebody's day. It doesn't have to be this huge thing. So as you're listening and you're driving, if you will just allow God to, to, to show you somebody, it could be a cousin, it could be a friend. It might be a friend going through a divorce. It might be somebody at work, you know, is having marriage problems. A simple, hey, I'm thinking about you. And really, when you, when you say you're somehow telling somebody you're going to pray for them, don't just tell them you're doing that. Actually, give them five or six minutes of your time. You know what I mean? Give them five or six minutes of your time because you are making a difference um, and being genuine and trying to, and I think it just, it could be the thing that makes a difference in their life. Mm -hmm. definitely i know you're just talking about you know being if there was just a possible vessel that could have stepped in and said something encouraging uh it could have completely saved um his life you know that he wouldn't have taken or had all the needing to medicate um and take all those medications to, to feel numb because you know, the heartbreak or the hurt, whatever that pain is that he's feeling and trying to numb. Well, I know plenty of stories, and I'm sure you know some others of people who just the opposite. They were on that last leg or standing on the ledge. And someone just came by and said something simple, small, or maybe did something like return to them their hope in humanity by giving them a hand with loading their groceries, whatever it was, but it turned their life around from being on that ledge. Um, I know for me, we had a missions organization and I was in Ukraine and, and, and this happens right now. They're in the news a lot because of what's going on in the Ukraine, but 
in the northeastern portion in the actual obelisk of Lugansk, we would go and put on camps and do day camps or church camps during the summer. And there, one of our last, it was actually the next to last time that I was actually able to go, and I didn't know this, um, the next year was our last time. Again, we didn't know that at the time, but it was because that was after that Russia um, invaded the Crimea. We were shut off from going back to them, but that's a whole different thing. But, but that's giving you the time frame of when this was right before the first time when Russia invaded uh, back in about 2012, 13, right around there. Anyways, so I was there and I, we would usually share a testimony and I've got a pretty rough testimony. I've done some stuff and I've got some things in there that it's not really for kids. Well, Holy Spirit just kind of said, as I'm going to share my testimony with all these kids and they're anywhere from you know four years up to 16, 17 years old, and there's almost 500 kids at this camp. This is one of the largest ones we have. And so I'm going to, to share my testimony. And um, the Holy Spirit just kind of prompted me not to hold back. I was like, I, I'm looking at these kids. I don't feel that I shouldn't. I, no, I, this, my testimony is not fully for this. I would really keep it really light, you know, and, and share just with light. But... Holy Spirit kept saying to share, to share. So I shared my testimony. And I talked about stuff, deep, deep stuff. And um, when I was done, all these kids are just looking up at me with these big wide eyes. And I'm thinking, that just fell on deaf ears. Now, of course, I have a translator who's doing all this for me. So it feels like even longer for me because I say it and then I have to wait. And then say some more and then have to wait. But all these kids are just staring and just blinking at me. And I just thought, I felt like I was a wasted vessel. I thought, Holy Spirit, you, you're, I was following your lead. And I felt so defeated. And I turned around and there was this, this guy standing there. There was a girl who had been there all week long helping, bringing in her newborn baby and, you know, showing the baby to us. But then she also introduced me to this guy. And you could see the, the track marks in his arms. I mean, he was a definite drug user. You could see he had a problem and he looked like he was at that moment, he was high, but, or extremely strung out, but he was, you know, I was just introduced, no big deal. I moved on after that, we're at a dinner and the translator comes up to me and said, there's somebody who wants to talk to you. He said, okay. So I went around the corner and it was that guy. And he said, I was hearing your, what your story you told. I want to know more. Great. You know, we do this all the time. So I shared more of my story with him, was actually able to lead him to Christ. So it was a salvation that happened right there. But for me, again, I felt like I just talked to all these kids. What a waste. I still didn't make this connection. The next year when I showed up, they actually beat the years before numbers and, and participants. But also, they, they had a bunch of baptisms and they wanted to wait until we were there. I told them, please don't wait do the baptisms. But anyways, but they were waiting for us to kind of show, look at all these baptisms. But there's a lot of people in the baptism that, you know, in this process that's happening, they're doing it in a river. It's really cool. But a lot of them are kids. And I thought, this is really amazing. That That's awesome. And then I see that guy. I see that same guy that I shared with you before. And he comes up and uh translator says, Hey, do you remember him? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I remember him. I said, yeah, he's now their children's pastor. That's awesome. So even though I felt completely defeated, 
this guy's obviously in pain. He's doing all kinds of stuff. But I allowed myself with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I became a vessel. And he heard what he needed to hear. Not because of me. Not because I have an amazing story. I'm a broken vessel. <laughs> I mean, we're, we all are. We've got cracks and breaks and imperfections in us. But what I did is I just, Holy Spirit prompted and I followed direction. I was obedient. I shared and it turned into an entire ministry growth for the children's ministry. And phenomenal things happened from there. So anyways, it's big. It's big just to make yourself available. Be nice. You can have brokenness in your life and still bring life to others. That's that's the greatest thing about God is he can use anybody. Um, like we talked about, he used me all mad, ready to I'll punch in the dash, mad. And then, you know, here we go, six people. Uh, yeah. I don't know why I've never thought about this story, but I just feel like the Lord wants me to tell it. Two years ago, I when I lived in Northwest Oklahoma before we moved to Oklahoma City, uh, I did a radio show for a top 40 pop station. And and inside of that station was other stations. Um, and so you got like a basically kind of community of, of DJs and broadcasters and program directors and people like that. And we were a pretty influenceable um, station in that area. And they hired a guy that he worked typically worked nights and weekends. And I really like this guy had a velvet voice and he was such a good DJ and just overall really good guy. And, I love music and he liked music. And so we talked about that a lot. And uh, anyways, he was going through some things in his life. He had, his marriage was falling apart and we kind of talked about it a little bit. And so, because I came in real early in the mornings and he worked evenings, I didn't really see him that often. And so um, I don't know, I'd just be driving to work um, um, after a morning show I had on the job that I went to. And so I was driving to work and oftentimes on my drive there for a couple of weeks, like I would just think about him randomly, what, what's going on. And then I would just ignore it. And uh, finally one day, it was a Saturday. No, it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday. Sunday afternoon I was off. We'd got, we, we got up and did some mowing and some things. We had some acreage there and the Lord really prompted me to go up to the radio station and to, to talk to this guy. He was working the mid shift and, um, I just didn't want to. I don't know why. I just did not want to, but I felt like I absolutely had to. So I didn't know how bad things had gotten him and his wife and his soon-to-be ex-wife. Her things were getting pretty nasty. She he had found out that there was another guy in the situation. Things had gotten pretty bad. And when I get there, he's doing his air shift. And um he had there's a there's a pistol right in front of the board. Um that we operate the radio station with. And I, I told him, I said, Hey man, I said, I don't know what's going on, but I, I felt like I was supposed to come in and, and talk to you. Is there something that's going on? And he begins to bawl and cry. And he said, Jeremiah, you don't know how much that means to me. I told God, if he didn't send somebody my way, I was going to take my life inside the radio station today. And so we're obviously telling dramatic stories that are saving people's life that we know about but I, I hundred percent believe there's, there's ways that God uses that we'll never know about. Mm -hmm. I agree. You're not always going to see, you're not always going to see the fruit of it immediately, but it doesn't mean it's not happening. Or the worst. I mean, I hate to even think this way, um, but I mean, we need to bring attention to it as well. 
there's times I'm sure that I unknowingly, because I would never intentionally, um, I, I just wouldn't do it. But here, something simple. Maybe I cut someone off in traffic and I didn't even know it. Maybe somehow I cut someone off in traffic and that caused them to go home and hit their kid. I was still being a vessel. Or maybe I said something to someone out of anger or frustration that ended up leading to something negative. So there's not just the positive. There's also that negative side. You know, the Bible says that, that you've got the power of life and death in the tongue. Yeah. Well, I can speak death over somebody just as much as I can speak life. And so I might have said something angry unintentionally, or even if it wasn't angry, maybe it was something that was misunderstood to be something different. It doesn't matter about my intention. It's what happened when I did that could have led to some bad result. Well, I don't ever, ever want that. And I'm sure most people would sit there and think, I don't want that in my life. I'd rather just assume not be a vessel at all than end up unknowingly being a bad vessel so I, I think there's something we can do to ensure that we have more opportunity to be a good vessel because i don't want to do that yeah and for some people that is going to be it's going to be an area where you have to grow because you might have been you might be a dad today or a mom today whoever's listening to this and you might have grown up in a home where encouragement was a part of your upbringing you knew your mom and dad loved you you knew that they cared for you but that was never really expressed that might be something as simple as telling your kids hey i, I need to get better at this but i just want to let you know i i love you mm, yeah that's that's good those are some powerful words and in fact i would say for that don't make your words something that just fly out of your mouth with no meaning be intentional. Be intentional with your words because I know people who would say it all the time, just kind of I love you, love you, love you, love you. And I just, it just rubs me kind of wrong. But there's other people, they don't say it that often. And I would not say for the sake of keeping its meaning, don't say it. But you know, when they say it, they mean it. So the way that you can do that is, you know, if you have a child, I've got four daughters. My wife, look them in the eyes and just, just say, not love you, love you, mean it. You know, no, no, no. Look them in the eyes and say, I love you. I love you. God says that we're supposed to love God and love others as ourselves. So with everything that you've got in you, you're supposed to love God. And then secondly, love others. Well, you can't give anything that you don't already have god's the source of love so you know god loves you you turn right around you know how that makes you feel when you can see that in your life and the fruit and whatever god loves you how much more would that mean for your child if you turned looked them straight in the eye and said i love you it's just powerful. It's, it's powerful because it's the affirmation they know that you do is the affirmation of it, the, the confirmation of that. Mm -hmm. Because what we don't see on the other side of things uh, is that we have an adversary that that deals with that we that we have to deal with that might be saying, your dad never tells you he loves you, you're not loved. 
he's accusing and trying to stir up things on the other side of things. You completely destroyed that assignment by three words. Yeah. Or even, you know, I'm, I'm sure people are familiar with the different love languages, the five love languages. Well, if I truly love my wife, which I do, um, I don't want to put if, because I truly love my wife, <laughs> I'm, I definitely want to know her love language. I want to know how she sends messages, but I also want to know the way that she sends it is the same way that she receives them. So if my love language is different than hers, and I'm still, I'm sending out all these messages that I love her using my love language. Just as an example, one of them is gift giving. So if someone is a giver of gifts, that's how they express that they love someone. They think, hey, I'm at the store. I saw this and I thought of you, Jemiah. Well, if you don't, if you don't have the love language of gifts, then you don't get that. You're just like, great, another piece of crap is going to go somewhere and now I can't throw it away because he feels all special. But instead, if I really find out that Jemiah's love language is quality time and mine is gifts, I know that when I give him a gift, he doesn't receive that as well. But if I know he receives quality time, then what I got to do is I don't have to show up with the gift. I have to show up and just spend time with him. Just spend time. Now, still saying the words, I love you, has power, but showing it just and adds wow. to its authenticity. Wow. And let's explore the love language. It's been a while, so I explore that. It's something that's used a lot with even psychologists nowadays, mm -hmm. uh, just relationships. And so what, what that would, the love languages from a psychology standpoint would teach you that everybody has basically their own, their own language that communicates, I feel loved. And those are um, gifts of gifts, words of affirmation, quality time. What are the other ones, Matt? Um, there's five of them. Serving. Do what? So you got words of affirmation, gifts, touch. Quality time and service. So what Matt is kind of talking about is if his wife says touch and he's always telling her, I love you, his wife is feeling a love because he hasn't communicated that he, that she, in her love language, that he loves her in the language that she needs to feel loved. So a modern way of putting that is, is, is uh, in the social media age is, you know, you're sending somebody a message on Snapchat but the only their own social media message is Instagram. And now you feel ignored because they can't get your message. It's not any different. It's not any different um, than that. You have to learn to communicate in the, in the language which people operate. Right. You're not going to go to South Africa, excuse me, South America, where they teach speech Portuguese and be able to speak English or Spanish and have very much luck because they speak Portuguese. It is exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, very, very good point. Yeah, and that's all a part of being not just a vessel, because we can all just say, hey, I'll be a vessel. But I'd rather be intentional and say, I want to be a good vessel. I don't want to be a bad vessel that's going to take whatever it is that God's needing to get to this person, and I taint it, or I twist it, or I make it more toxic in my delivery. I don't want that. I would rather be something that can take a good message and deliver it well, whatever that is. And, and so caring, like so many things. Absolutely. Yeah. I think caring for other people means you also 
care to know. Now, if it's somebody that's just a stranger, you know, you just bump into them on the elevator, you don't have time to go through and say, have, have you ever looked into love languages? <laughs> you don't have time to do that. <laughs> and that's where it's simple. It's simple just to say, you know, I hope you have a great day. Thanks for riding with me. That was fun. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Just, wow, you got a really nice smile. Thank you. Don't make it awkward. Um, I've done that. I have my fair share of making awkward moments unintentionally, but and I'm sure I've done some intentionally too. It's just kind of fun. It's what dads do. But um, if it's someone you have a relationship with, if you really want to show them, let them know that you care enough to find out their love language, not by asking them, just through spending time, you'll be able to pick it up. Here's a clue. If there's somebody who brings you a gift, they're probably, their love language is probably gifts. If there's someone who's constantly so encouraging to you and they're constantly just telling you, wow, Jemiah, you are so good at that. Well, obviously, words of affirmation is something pretty big to them. So speak it back to them. Simple as that. It I've doesn't got a, take a lot of study. I've got a neighbor who... Uh... He, he, I call it dartboard therapy. He comes over and we play darts, you know, that, that time alone with me and him hanging out, uh, just talking and it means the world to him. You know what I mean? Every time he leaves my house after we play darts, we don't do it at all, uh, often enough, but once a month, whatever, he's like, man, I really needed that. You know, it can be simple. Yeah. Something as simple as having a buddy over and playing darts and talking about things and just sharing life together. Or, you know, if you're into wood, Hey, let's make a, let's make some, cool stuff out of wood together or it could be going hunting with a friend it could just spending time with them yeah it could be a lot of different ways you could be a vessel yeah and that's of course um quality time is a big one there you i you, think you talked about all the different vessels and even went into animal animal skins and how diversified it was and it really is it's it's as diversified as as it could be really anything that you do you can make a difference with the people you're around. Here's one thing that I think is important to, for us to focus on. As, as now we're talking about the importance of being a vessel, we understand that. And now uh, how to be a better vessel, we understand that. But also, um, you know, I, I mentioned we're broken vessels. We've got imperfections. We've got cracks. We've got things. We can let those things be. And then it will affect us and how we're being a vessel. You know, uh, a lot of people, we, whenever we get wounded, especially when you get a cut, that cut is going to heal. And a lot of times it leaves a scar. Well, your vessel, as a vessel, you may have some scars. You don't have to hide the scars. You don't have to, to worry about that. That's not an imperfection. That's a part of your story and why you're a good vessel. But, if you've got an open wound, you're going to need to take care of that. That's an imperfection that you need to heal or you need to have healed. Um, we need to be focused on our own redemption from our, our imperfections. We need to focus on healing those cracks so that we could be a better quality vessel. We can't just sit here and say, okay, here I am, use me and assume that um, the best. We, we have to take intentionality and also saying, 
Father, help me to be a better vessel. And the way you become a better vessel is by you seeking after him. Draw nearer to God. Pursue him. Heal those places. Ask, you know, reach out to other brothers when you have trouble. Because you can't be a good vessel if you're sitting in a bad place. So you need, it's not that you have to wait. Don't hear me wrong there. You don't have to wait to be perfect. You can be a vessel just as you are. But the next time, maybe you could be a better vessel and you can continue to be a better vessel. And as you continue to grow and mature and heal and face all those other things, you become a probably more used vessel by God. I mean, the more we heal, I'm sure, the more he uses us. And then, of course, making yourself available. It's not about ability. It's not about any of that. It's about availability. If you're just going to sit at home and hide, you're not going to find yourself being used as a vessel that often. And here's the thing about this is, you know, you feel like the emptiest vessel is going to make the loudest noise. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is no matter where you're at, the emptier, the, the emptier you are, like shit, the more you get rid of the things that are the things that are holding you back in your life to have the relationship that you want with God, the more that those fill, the more empty you are. Take a take an empty glass and fill it full of into pitcher, and then take a glass that's three quarters and fill it. Mm-hmm. They're both a glass of water. The emptiest vessel is going to make a lot more noise. Yeah, and it, on that same thing, it's like. Uh, I don't need to carry my weight. I want to empty out all this stuff so God can fill me with whatever needs to be transported over. I, I don't need to be carrying my own as well. Um, and, and that's one of those things that sometimes, I mean, there's people who maybe this, you've, you've done this a lot. You've made yourself available. You've been a good vessel. Well, there's also a time to rest. You have to take some time to say, I've done this. I need to step away because I got to work on emptying out all this stuff. Just like Jemiah, just like you're saying, I got to work on this so that I can be refreshed and then go back out and be a vessel again. So this isn't just talking to people who have no idea what it's like to be a vessel, but also people who have actively desired and pursued being a vessel. Well, it's important to have a time of rest so you can make yourself better to be a more effective vessel. I think um, I'll wrap up here in a second. Any any last things that you really want to just kind of say to those listening in the podcast? You know, I don't I don't want to be real redundant because I feel like we've covered a lot of topics about what being a vessel is, but it, it just comes down to just showing love and and allowing yourself to make a difference in other people's life and you can do that regardless of where you're at in life what you're struggling with what your profession is what your hobbies are there's people around you that you can make a difference and if you're willing to step forward and just do small things 
what will end up happening is big things. Mm -hmm. That's it. All right. One scripture here, and then we'll we'll wrap. Um, this is 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21, which says, Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. This is not saying that you should honor the vessel. That would be that you are a vessel being used to honor. A vessel that would use to honor the other things and whatever it is that's being carried. And then, of course, with our ministry, with our pursuit for truth ministry, that next verse, we, we put this on a lot of our um, uh, shirts and apparel and stuff. So 2 Timothy 2, 22 says, because of this, now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. That gives you the answer right there. So you want to be a vessel used for honor? Well, you need to get rid of those other things. You need to focus on making yourself better there, but you don't have to wait. Like Jemiah pointed out, it could be something so simple. Or it could be something very extravagant. But just make it something. Be a vessel. Make yourself available because we are surrounded by people who are hurting. And they need, they, some of them are looking for it, but some of them aren't. They just need to know that they're loved. And they have value. And, and a part of the reason, and part of the reason I use Taylor Hawkins as as the example is this, is because we've got the guy who a celebrity who is at the height of success. Just because somebody uh, has the Facebook post that they got a perfect marriage, because because they're making lots of money, if they got the big house, the pool, doesn't mean they're not in a place in their life that they're not satisfied and that they're not miserable, they're not lonely, they're not hurting. Exactly. I think being available and then also just like in some of our examples, just ask Holy Spirit, highlight for me today, those people who need encouragement. Because your responsibility is not every, you're not the vessel for every single person out there. That's way too much to carry. Something you've learned about me and the three video calls a lot. I must like the Beatles because I've got a Beatles clock that goes off every hour. <laughs> I think that right there could could stand as our ender of I guess our time would be done. Let me, let me <laughs> but, leave it. I, I do want to leave it with the verse that I, I feel led to share. Oh please. It's first Peter 4:10, and it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Amen. That's perfect. That's a beautiful truth. And so um, those of you who are out there, I just want to say thank you very much for listening. Uh, those of you who are watching the video, uh, thank you for watching. Um, but I, we're very thankful for you, our audience, our listeners, and the support that you give us. But uh, you're the reason why we're here doing this. Our entire desire 
is to help talk through some topic so that we can uncover some truth that can help you to have an easier time living the wit life. So thank you. And we look forward to the next time. Thank you for joining us today. You are the reason why we do this podcast and you are truly a blessing to us. We would love to hear from you, whether you'd like to comment or ask questions about this episode, give us ideas for future topics to discuss, or if you just need to reach out and hear back from one of us, you can do so by leaving us a message from the podcast or by going to walkingintruthministries.org. And then you could also send us an email at witministries.tx at gmail.com. That is wit, W-I-T, ministries.tx at gmail.com. And finally, it would be a huge blessing to us if you would like our podcast and go to our Walking in Truth Facebook page and by liking us there too. Again, thank you and God bless.